Welcome to Dropping the Ball. I'm Andrew, and today I'm coming to you with our very first of a new part of our Dropping the Ball series called Sports Shorts. As you guys know, Luke and I have had the luxury of being able to record together over the course of the last few months while he was in the States. Now, this doesn't mean Luke's not going to be with us anymore. He will absolutely continue to push out content with me, but we will also be taking this opportunity to get out content solo. So we'll have some joint episodes. We'll have some episodes where you're just going to hear from Luke. You're just going to hear from myself. Our goal here, you guys, is to give you more of what you want. We've heard you ask and you shall receive. We are going to start doing a little bit more live update stuff. And that's where these sports shorts come into play. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to ditch the topical ideas. Today's actually a little bit more of a topic, but it is a little bit more pertinent for what's going on right now in the sports world. Now, as I'm recording, Luke is actually on his way back to Greece, which is why we're also taking this opportunity to do some solo things for our show. Now, with these sports shorts, I think you guys will find a lot of pleasure in knowing that we are going to keep it current. With him being uh, out of the country at this point, we're not going to be able to do too many of our video podcasts that I know you guys enjoy. So this is where you'll see some of that more current stuff. And of course, we will get back to those video casts once Luke is back in the States. So enough about what we're going to be doing. Let's get into today's topic. I do want to talk about baseball. And not just baseball, not what's going on, but I want to get into the hot topic about baseball of speeding up the sport. Do we want it to speed up? Do we not want it to speed up? How can we and how can we not do it to make sure that we are not changing the fundamental sport of baseball. Now before we get into that, what's going on in baseball right now? We are about a fourth of the way through our current season and it's been nothing short of excitement. Kansas City, Seattle, and Los Angeles Angels, they came out hot and on fire and they looked like surefire playoff teams. But then the dust settled and we quickly learned that that is not the case. Kansas City and both Seattle have been on some significant losing skids and LA's almost at the bottom of their division, unfortunately. Now, the White Sox, on the other hand, everyone thought they were going to be incredible out of the gate. That was not the case. Before the season even started, they did lose one of their best and one of the hottest prospects in all of baseball, and Eloy Jimenez, likely for the entire season. There's a possibility he's going to come back after that torn peck, potentially towards the end of the year playoffs, but... We haven't heard much about him since he's went on that long-term injured list. Since then, they started slow. They've come out of the gate, and they finally have returned to the form after a tough start. They did lose Luis Roberts, another great prospect that they're going to miss surely, but they're playing at a high level. They have a great pitching staff. They have Jose Abreu, who's finally uh, broken out of his beginning of the season slump. He's, he's playing much better at a higher rate. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can become the team that everyone thought they were. They're doing it now. Will they keep it up now that we're past kind of the, the starter up of the season? Who has the best record? It's not the Yankees. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the White Sox. It's the other color. It's the Red Sox. After an abysmal 2020 shortened campaign, they did not have their regular manager and Alex Cora as he was serving his suspension. They have the best record. The Boston Red Sox, I repeat, as of right now, one-fourth of the way through the season, they have the best record in the MLB. Who would have thought it? They're playing great, 
And it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep it up. But so far, they're leading the East. And that is not what we all expected. I think everyone expected the Yankees to be up there. And definitely not for the Rays to have the worst bullpen in the league. Wow. But hold on. That's not even the biggest of surprises that we've seen this year in the Major League Baseball. I mentioned that the Dodgers did not have the best record of the league. They're not even leading the NL West. Well, surely it's San Diego. They they are the team. They're the ones we've all talked about. They're young. They're exciting. They're fun to watch. They have Tatis Jr. But wait, they're not in first place as of today either. It's the San Francisco Giants. Can you believe it? They are over there, and they are playing at a high level, and they're playing small ball large and large. They're hitting the baseball. They're relying on good starting pitching, and they're playing at a high level, and it helps that the Padres have beat up largely in part on the Dodgers, so that helps. But at the end of the day, the Giants are just surprising everyone, and they're coming out of the gate, and they're playing consistent great baseball. I'm rooting for Jalen Davis. He's a hometown boy. For him to come off of the injured list and, and crack that starting squad again and, and really show what these McLeansville boys out here in North Carolina can do at a professional level. You have Mitch Atkins, who recently signed for an independent ball team at the High Point Rockers. He debuted with the Cubs quite a few years ago, but I'm excited that I'm going to be able to see one of my former teammates play again professionally and it's local. Let's get back to the major leagues. You have these teams that are playing at a level that, that we didn't expect. Teams playing at levels that we weren't expecting. There's definitely some, like the Chicago Cubs, mine, love and dear and dear to my heart, Chicago Cubs. We still don't know what they are or what they're going to do. So that raises the question, who will be buyers and who will be sellers when you have a player like Chris Bryant? He's playing at an MVP caliber level. For the first time since his 15 and 16 season, will he be in the cubby blue at the end of the season? My vote is yes, primarily because I really hope so, but I would completely understand why a team like the Chicago Cubs, who likely aren't going to be fighting for a World Series this year, would sell him off while he's hot, along with someone like Craig Kimbrell, who is also one of the best closers in the league. He finally returned to that form. And let's remind you, this is the first year that he's had a normal, quote-unquote, start and hopefully finish. Now, the best player in baseball, who would you ask? Well, Mike Trout. I mean, it's not even a question. This man is playing out of his mind yet again for another year that's going to solidify him as the best baseball player we've ever seen. You do can argue that, that it's hard to top, hard to compare. You do have Babe Ruth, who's, who's considered probably the GOAT. He's not a pitcher like Babe Ruth was, but he is an incredible athlete, an incredible baseball player, an incredible hitter. And we all know that baseball back in the day, while it was challenging, it wasn't necessarily as difficult as it is today. There were people that threw as hard, but not as long, as not as consistently, at least not back in Babe Ruth's day. As you go a little bit further in baseball's history, there are people like the Nolan Ryans. You move a little bit further, the Randy Johnsons that are throwing at a, at a, at a high rate, sometimes touching triple digits multiple times throughout a game. You didn't see that back in the, back in the day, but you can, you can still argue that it was a very challenging game. It hasn't changed from that perspective. 
Mike Trout's just finally the first player we've seen offensively at the very least that even comes close to comparing to some of those all-time greats. Now, we do have a few young guns like Acuna Jr., Fernando Tatis, Vlad Guerrero that people could argue and say will ultimately be better than Mike Trout. But let's not forget, Mike Trout came into the league and has been nothing short of great every year. And not to say that these other guys have not, they none of them have come close to putting up numbers that Mike Trout does year in, year out. Acuna's probably the closest. We've seen that light in Tatis Jr., but that shoulder can begin to worry people considering he's already went down and dislocated it once this year with a small tear. The only other question we haven't really answered revolves around pitching and who's doing what we expect. There's really only one pitcher to talk about. Jacob deGrom and the underperforming Mets. Of course, we have Jacob deGrom out there serving as the best pitcher yet again in the major leagues, and he's under through a quarter of the season, so he doesn't have a ton of starts, but through a quarter of the season, he is pitching under a 1 ERA. But he has one win, I believe. That is pathetic. The Mets have to do better. They spent all of that money on Lindor, He's not playing up to par. He has been getting better, and he did admit that it was great to finally get a hit after he went through an incredible slump that he's never experienced in his career. But Jacob deGrom is just incredible. That's really what we boil down to. That's what's going on this season. I, I will sit here and tell you I did not expect that this is what Major League Baseball would look like one-fourth of the way through the year. But hey, that's enough about What's going on? I want to get into my topic. Today is not all about the current exactly what's going on, but it is about speeding up the game and pace of play. One could look at that as the same question. Another would look at it two separate ways. Me personally, I think that speeding up the game and pace of play are two separate things. Rob Manfred has had this at the forefront of what he's tried to do as commissioner the entire time that he's been in. Many question what he's really trying to do. When you look at the facts, the game hasn't, hasn't necessarily sped up with any of the changes. The game is in, if anything, gotten longer. On average, the game was three hours and seven minutes last season, and so far this year, it is averaging also at the exact same rate. That's five minutes faster than the 2019 season. Well, but we implement, implemented the new rules. What are those new rules, you might ask? Well, the, the two biggest ones, and, and really there's three that you have right now that, that were implemented, one going to happen prior to COVID. The other two came across because of COVID. You have your three-man minimum in relief pitching, and we'll come back to that. You have your man on second starting an extra inning, so you automatically place a runner at second. And then the seven-inning seven inning double headers. So two of those, the last two, the, the extra inning runners and the, the double headers, those will come back to, those were because of COVID. Those are new rules that I think are probably going to stick around, unfortunately for many of you that do not agree with them, because we're conditioned to them. But the other, the one I want to talk about was the one that Rob Manfred was putting in place regardless and before COVID happened. The three batter minimum. In traditional baseball settings, you can change pitchers as many times as you want. They throw as, as many or as few pitches as you want, at least at a professional level. And you can change, you, you manage the game in a tactical perspective. Well, now 
If you are called on in relief pitching, you have to face a minimum of three people. Now, there is one way around it. You can finish an inning, and then you do not have to come back out. But this does change it from the initial way where you could just kind of pick and choose, mismatch, you know, create matchups that are more favorable to you defensively. The lefty specialist no longer exist, at least for right now. The point, I guess, from what Rob Manford described it as, is this is going to eliminate a lot of the downtime where you're having a pitcher come out and bat or pitch to one batter, and then you change pitchers immediately. Well, guess what? It doesn't necessarily speed up the game. As I mentioned earlier, the game has gotten five minutes longer than in the years past before this rule. So is this about length of game or is it pace of play? Is it easier for the fan to garner their attention, especially when you're talking about TV ratings, watching and not turning the channel during the commercials? Does it make more sense to keep that pitcher out, ideally for only three outs, and then they go in, they go out, they do well, and then they change pitchers? But that's not what always happens. The wheels do fall off, and they do struggle to get out of the inning sometimes, sometimes never registering an out. I personally, as a sports fan and a huge baseball fan, do not like this rule. Great examples where this rule doesn't make sense, and, and I'll tell you why. You had the, the, the Philadelphia Phillies and the St. Louis Cardinals. You bring in Genesis Cabrera for the St. Louis Cardinals, and his very first pitch he hits Bryce Harper in the head. He hits him in the face. It was a very scary situation. Fortunately, Bryce is okay. He didn't have any issues. Afterwards, he did sit out for a few days, but apparently that was more about his wrist, not necessarily him getting in the face. He was very supportive of Cabrera. He actually reached out, sent him a video via, via social media saying, hey, things happen. But then what happened next was what made this rule come into question. The very next batter, the very next pitch, Cabrera hits Didi Gregoris in the back. These were both fastballs. And at this point, Joe Girardi is livid because the, the umpires decide to make a decision to warn both players. Regardless of Girardi got upset, I personally think he should have been warned after the first pitch, not because, of hit him, but because he hit him in the face. Just saying, hey, look, safety, I'm warning you both. If, if, if this guy hits anyone else again, or if either team hits anyone, especially in that manner again, we do reserve the right to throw you out. That paved the way for when he pegged him again. He just showed he didn't have control. It's more of an ejection for safety. So I get where Joe Girardi's coming from. The problem I have is... Mike Schultz said he would have taken him out after that first pitch and he hit Harper in the face. But unfortunately, because of this new speed up the game rule, pace of play rule, we had to leave Cabrera in for a little bit longer. Not only is that unsafe in certain scenarios, he did hit two people back to back. He pitched to one more batter. They pulled him out and that was it. Not only is it not safe for the players that he's facing, it's not safe for the middle state. That could have significantly affected Cabrera from a pitching's perspective. That could have gotten his head. And I know being a baseball player and still being a baseball player, you get in your head and it's hard to break out of that funk. Being able to be pulled out, sure, that could cause some of the same effects. But at the end of the day, from a safety standpoint, he should have been able to pull that pitcher. The new rule doesn't allow for that. So it left Mike Schilt helpless. And guess what? It caused more problems. The game didn't get any faster because there was the argument on the field. Joe Girardi... He ended up getting ejected, and that's just what ended up happening. When you look at the actual relief pitchers, 1969 was when the save 
became a thing. And that was the new rule that that was kind of the biggest pitching change rule we've probably seen. And so relief pitching began to develop in a different way. But if you look at how much they used relief pitching in the past, 28% compared to 44% of the game today in relief, starters are throwing less. So the relief pitching is coming in more. So I guess I do see what we mean and what we need by having to shorten the amount of times going to the bullpen. But there's got to be a better way. There's got to be some form of, I guess, a way to say, hey, this isn't safe. We need to go ahead and get him out. But does it speed the game up? No, it doesn't speed the game up at all. So at this point, why bother? Is it about viewers? Is it about ratings? I don't know. I don't think he's going to come out and specifically say that as the commissioner. The other two rules that are really in question that people are upset about, some don't care, some fall in the middle, are the rules that came because of COVID. The shortened season, all of the health protocols that they're still going through based on where they're at with vaccines and, and all of that. You have the man on second, an extra inning. So every inning, every team, no matter what, they get a man that starts on second base. And then you have the seven inning double headers. Well, th- this, those are simple. I mean, who cares? You have people out there that'll argue, oh my God, I can't believe that they're gonna, you know, they're, they're, they're professionals. They should have to play the full nine. Dude, anybody that feels that way, you can, uh, I'm not going to say it, but keep your opinion to yourself on that one. Because they play 162 games. Who cares that they're going to miss out on four innings between those two games because they're playing them on the same day? And I actually watched a doubleheader Cubs game. I can't remember who they were playing against. They ended up playing nine innings in one of the games anyway. So just who cares? That does change the game in, in as far as the length of the game. It's quick, it's easy, but you're going to get two baseball games. So who cares if it's super fast? The other one is the man on second and the extra innings. This is probably the most controversial one and the one that people don't like the most. I won't lie to you. When it first happened, I, I wasn't a fan. I didn't like it. I was, I, you know, because I do consider myself a baseball traditionalist. I wasn't happy with that they were fundamentally, in a, in, a, in a sense, changing the game. That was when it was implemented. Now we went through the 2020 season. We saw a handful of games that, that went towards that and, and, and actually happened. In, I think it was 10% of games that actually went into extra innings and played more than nine. So out of those games, I probably saw maybe 1% of them, if that, maybe a half a percent of the extra inning games. So I didn't really get a chance to get comfortable with the rule. I still didn't like it based on the principle of them changing the game. Then I got to watch it a little bit more. I've seen more games this year, whether it be the Cubs or just other games that I'm watching while I'm trying to just keep up with everything that's going on. It got a little bit more exciting. When you look at it, okay, now we have a man on second. We have to, as a defense, play a little bit more conservative because we have to keep that man from second from scoring especially if you're the 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 away team because if you're the away team you're the first chance to score but then if you don't you have to keep them from scoring and the game's over same rules as always but now there's a man on second so that changes the perspective of the batter you might see some more teams going back to small ball or trying to bunt the game bunt the ball down just to move the runner over now you have one out They can hopefully score on a deep fly ball or a ground ball into the outfield or anything like that. You have the defensive side where you're just trying to stop it. Maybe you walk a runner and and you set up the double plate. It's still, 
That, that puts people on base. I'm never an advocate of that. So it does change the makeup of the mindset of how you start an inning because, of course, you never start an inning with a man on second. Now, people don't like this. A lot of people don't like this. Oh, well, it's going to affect too many games. It's going to cause a change in who should actually have this win or who would have won it in the on-slugging slot of, of a 15-inning ball game. Let's remind you, only 1.5% of games each year go past 12 innings. So we're still talking about a very small percentage. Four of 13 opening day games went in extra innings, so that doesn't necessarily bode well for percentages. That's 25% of games, or 30% of games that are, that are going into extra innings in the first day. That's not a great argument if, if you're saying that, oh, it doesn't happen very often, but it still only happened about 10% of the time. Now, that is a little bit higher. The first time, the last time we've seen 10% was in the 90s, or in the early 2000s, I apologize. Then after that, it's only happened twice total in the last 30 years. It doesn't seem that it's changing it too much as far as the amount of games that get there, but we don't have enough evidence and, and significant evidence, and there's really no way to quantify it on how much it will truly affect. But it does, and I will say confidently now, because I actually just watched the Cubs lose to the Tigers yesterday, it makes it really exciting. Because if you're, think about it, if you're not a baseball fan and you go to a game, if you're not a baseball fan, you're there for a few things. Socializing and watching and seeing how it ends if it's a close game. Well, of course, if it's an extra innings and it's a close game, now you're really into the game. I, as a baseball fan, that I go to games and I watch every inning, I get mad when people don't, what are you, what are you, you're here for the beer? Well, me too, but also the baseball. I immediately, as soon as that runner's on second base, no matter what team I pull for, my heart begins to pound. Well, that only happens in any inning when something happens. You know, a batter gets a hit, there's a strikeout, or something along those lines. But immediately, in extra innings, my anxiety for the game is higher. My euphoria level is raised, and it's because someone is on base. It doesn't necessarily speed the game up because we haven't seen a difference in how many games make it past 12 innings or not. We're seeing the same number of games reach to that extra innings point, but man, oh man, it makes it so exciting. I watched the Cubs beat the world champion Dodgers. They swept them, mind you. That was a great feeling as a Cubs fan. Both games, they scored multiple times on both teams in extra innings. So now we're interjecting more action and more opportunity. We're going back to a little bit more tactical managing styles as well. So as a baseball fan, that's awesome to me. I'm really getting to see how teams are approaching this. And as someone that enjoys coaching the youth of, of, of our next generation, I enjoy watching it at a professional level. They're getting paid millions to do things that I do on a, on a regular basis. I've become a believer. I really and truly enjoy it. And realistically, we go back to our question, does it speed the game up? Sure, sometimes last night, I'm pretty confident the way both teams were playing, we might have seen a 15-inning game between the, the Cubs and the Tigers, but we didn't. It ended in the 10th inning, and that was after they scored a run, and then the Tigers ended up ultimately scoring two. So that all happened. One run washed, and then they still manufactured a run to get that win. Must have felt great because they don't win too often. It makes the game more exciting. Doesn't make it faster. Did it change the pace of play? 100%. 
Again, we go back to that anxiety and that excitement that comes because anytime there's a runner on base, whether you're for or against, you're ready for them to score or you're ready for them to find a way to stop them. That happens immediately. So pace of play, yes, guess what? It gets faster. Even though the game didn't change, it does get faster. You have these three changes that are being made, but yet they, they still have other things they want to do. They want to add in the universal DH. I don't personally care. Sure, I want to see a little bit more offense, but who doesn't love seeing a pitcher go out there and just yak home runs? You have pitchers out there like Huskar Yona from the Braves hitting two dingers in two games, and one of them was a grand slam. Of course, that's a, it's a it's an outlier. It doesn't happen often, but it was exciting, correct? So why take that opportunity away? I see why. Sure, you want to see better offense. But hey, I'll tell you, there's some pitchers out there that have better bat- batting averages than half, half the players in the league right now. That's just what it is, especially in a feast or famine type home run, go big or go home with a strikeout type mentality. So that's happening. There's consideration of ending in a tie. I don't particularly want to see this, but it does work well in the Japanese league. It worked well in the Korean baseball league. Whatever you do with that tie, you either throw it out, you factor it in as a half and half into the win-loss, whatever. You can just not, you just end the season, you had four ties, they don't count at all, and that you're, you're still win-loss. That doesn't change the game, though. It doesn't change how fast it is. One of the other ones that, that I would be interested in seeing is the pitch clock. Have a set amount of time that you give pitchers that they have to get on that rubber and throw a pitch. That does speed up the game because then you don't have the pitchers that like to slow it down and throw the hitters off their rhythm. We'll see if that actually makes it up to the big leagues. I know some of the minor leagues have done this in the past. There haven't been many complaints, but there have been a few. And then the the DH switch. That's the, the other rule that they're trying in some of the lower leagues right now. When you take your starting pitcher out, you have a DH all the way up until that point. So it's kind of a hybrid universal DH or slash letting the pitcher hit. So you have the universal DH all the way up until the starting pitcher comes out. When that starting pitcher comes out, you the DH ultimately dies and is replaced with the pitcher. And at that point, you have to either A, you have to sub them out just like you would in the National League anyways. I don't see that speeding the game up. I don't see it changing the pace of play, but it could change a little bit of the strategy. If you're trying to make it more appealing to the fan, they're not going to understand that, especially the new fan. The new fans are still going to be taught the old game. Whatever the game is right now, that's not what's being taught to our future generation and our young baseball fans of of the world. Looking at some of the final stats, we've talked about pace of play. What's really happening right now? Well, there's no long-term average of more than 1.5% of games going past the 12th inning. We've already talked about that. None of these rules are making the games longer or shorter. The same things are happening every year. On average, when you break it down, that every team sees past the 13th inning, or past the 12th inning, I should say, once per year. Whatever, who cares, let's move on. The weird thing is it doesn't take into effect of playoff. It's a whole different conversation, but that changes strategy. Now you're changing 162 games and changing it for potentially three, four, five more, or maybe more than that if you make it all the way to the World Series. Didn't change the pace of play. Well, relief pitching's getting worse as a broader spectrum. In 2019, you had a range from 371 to 579 as worst to best. 
in relief pitching. Now 2020, mind you, is a condensed season. It was two and, two and three quarters to seven. So you had a wider range. Mind you, people are going to have to stay in longer. They're getting beat up a little bit more. This year, right now, they're averaging, again, two and three quarters up to 6.3. So you see now managers are having a little time to figure it out. They're utilizing their, their bullpen a little bit differently. They're finding ways to still match up some of those specialists, maybe perfectly matched up at the end of an inning. But again, if they don't get out, it doesn't help them, and it lengthens the game because now I'm leaving this pitcher in. Yes, sure, that rule did kind of change the pace of play, but not necessarily the length of the game. Again, they're getting longer. Starting pitching totals are going down, so you're already, as far as innings pitched, you're already seeing a huge decline from 1,000-plus innings is the highest most starting staff back in 2010 to, you can't use last year, but 2019 only had 940, so almost 100 innings less for starting pitching for just one team, mind you. The games are, in theory, getting longer because you're using more people. I guess that doesn't change anything. It's not getting faster. That's my, Manfred's idea, right? So at the end of the day, as the game is changing, it's not really changing as much as you think. Not, not really what Manfred's trying to get across, and maybe, maybe he's doing exactly what he wants. He is, as we discussed, changing the pace of play. It's not making the game shorter, but it appears more exciting. As the baseball traditionalist, maybe you can let go of a little bit of it because it's really not changing the game a ton. Sure, there's a few weird rules that might stick around. Maybe they won't. They probably will because rule changes happen and, and they use 2020 to condition us to, to accept it. And guess what? They're still here. They didn't change much, but they're still here. They don't really bother me as much anymore. Now, now that I've had time to, to really take it in, I've seen a little over a half of a full season at this point. If you combine 2020 and 2021, I don't really think that they won't shorter games. That's, that's my ultimate theory with this with what Rob Manfred in in the front office is doing they just want a more exciting game now for me the 0-0 game that ends in a 1-0 win after 12 innings to me is incredible however it's free baseball I always just get excited about free baseball why wouldn't it why wouldn't you want to interject more excitement into it it's free it didn't speed it up it changed the pace of play again that's what he really wants and I got free baseball. Duh. You know, the universal DH again, who cares? I love seeing those pitchers out there that, that like to hit, even if they're not great at it. At the end of the day, I just want you to consider as a, a sports fan, as a baseball fan, the next time you turn on a baseball game, rather than looking at it through the lens of what baseball is or was or what do you expect it to be, watch the pace of play. Watch how the game moves. Do you enjoy that the, the, there's not as many commercials because you're not pulling a pitcher after their first batter? Do you care? Does it make a difference? Did you notice? And if you make it to the end of the game and you are blessed with that glorious, lovely thing called free baseball, make your own opinion about the man on second. Make your own opinion on what you feel about it. Mine changed, and I'm not here to tell you that you need to change yours, but even if you are the diehard, truest of true baseball fans, I challenge you, to accept this change and let it be known that it is more exciting. Whether you want it to be or not, it is more exciting. So you guys, that concludes our first ever Dropping the Ball Sports Shorts. I'm going to miss doing these with Luke on a regular basis, but don't you worry, fans. 
We're not stopping. Our I, and I, almost our entire first season, we did record together, rem, you know, from remote locations. So we still fully intend and will be presenting and 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 dropping out, huh, dropping the ball. We will not be doing that. But we will be getting more content out that we do together. Our plan now is to do this every few weeks, and do uh, do that every few weeks, and do these on a weekly basis. You'll hear from both of us a little bit more frequently to give you more to tune into. Speaking of tuning in, make sure you do tune in to our sister podcast. It's a little bit more history in pursuit of knowledge. Find them on their group page on Facebook. Also find us at Dropping the Ball on Facebook. You can tweet us at dropping underscore the ball. No G. You can email us at droppingtheballpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, subscribe to us, share us, give us five-star ratings, five-star ratings only, please, and tell us what else you want to hear about us from our solo sports shorts, from our, our, our topical episodes where we're doing them together. But most importantly, have a great rest of your day. Go Cubs, go. Go baseball. And, and let's enjoy this new pace of play. Peace out, you guys.